on today's podcast from the North Walhalla Church of God, Pastor Neil begins a new series entitled, No Man Ever Spoke Like This Man. Today's message is from Sunday morning, March 11, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Let's go to John chapter 7, my brand new series. At prayer conference, the preacher was preaching. I won't tell him this, but he quotes a scripture. He didn't quote it right, nor did he give it to the right speaker, but it was powerful, and it changed my life. I'm not picking at him because I've done the same before. As Pentecostal preachers, sometimes we get moving real fast. But he said something. He wasn't even preaching on the subject, and it just went through my body, and I knew the Holy Ghost was speaking to me. I want to go to verse 46. For the next few weeks, maybe months, I want to look at the words of our Savior, his words, not my words, not a prophet's words, and not just a teacher's words. And I want to preach him in such a way that I do not want you telling me that he was a good teacher. I hope these words either drive you away from God or drive you to God. Because I'm really tired of the in-between. Really am. I'm tired of those who like him just a little bit so they can be churchy but do not believe in him enough to be saved. Let's read. Amen. The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? The crowd does not know that the law is a curse. We'll stop right there. I want to preach a new series entitled, No Man Has Ever Spoke like this man. The spoken word and the power of the spoken word is undeniable. It can bring peace to a troubled situation or it can cause a troubled situation to become catastrophic. Words in a right husband's mouth used the right way can speak life to children who are disobedient, children who are astray or cannot find reason or rhyme. A mother who has the right words can speak over a child in such a way that no matter what anybody else says about them, let a good mama, let my mama hold me and speak into my life when I was a child and I could believe I could climb mountains and pull down towers. Words are powerful. Watch somebody today. Go to them after church and say, you look nice today. Say something like this, it was good to see you at church today. You made my day by just coming. Just something like that, very simple. And situations can turn around just by kind words. Governments and countries have gone to war for much less. Somebody said something the wrong way at the wrong time, taking out of context, and the next thing you know, there's strife and conflict. History tells us this. Scripture tells us that the power of life and death is right here in the mouth. James would say it's so powerful that no man can tame it, only God himself. We Pentecostals believe that's probably why the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost is a speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. It is God proclaiming what you cannot tame in the flesh, I can tame in the Spirit. It's God letting us know that what is it's so wild in the flesh, how people just behind, behind computers and in open spaces, how they, I can't help it. I just got to say something. God says, when I sanctify you and save you and fill you with a spirit, I'll put a guard over your mouth that'll stop confusion in your own home. 
It is so powerful that it speaks life and death and yet so powerful to men. If your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? You are wise enough to say, you look beautiful, baby. Great words and orators, history itself has been changed by men and women who use words powerfully. Those words became instruments like in a physician's hands to cut out cancer, to bring healing and restitution, to bring healing upon humanity. Martin Luther King said it very powerfully, I have a dream. His words today still echo throughout every state and corridor here in America, letting everybody know that this country in its constitution stands for equality, doesn't matter what color you are. Not just his, but Winston Churchill's movie just came out about his finest hour, considered maybe his greatest speech as he stands in 1940 on the brink of an oncoming sword of war. He stands there and he rallies his country and he talks about this is our final and greatest hour as we stand on the back of Christianity and let this dark force know you will not invade us or take us. I remember in 1987 as a small child, I know that's hard for you to believe that I'm gonna turn 40 this coming year in July the 6th, don't forget that birthday. But I remember as a small child, our president, Ronald Reagan, just a, just a giant of a man in my mind and how he looked, but he stood there and he said these words, Mr. Gorbachev, take this. A few of y'all were there with me in 87. That's all right, amen. Those powerful words changed history. At the time, what's amazing about Reagan, they rebuked him. His own advisor says, you should not do this. And really, at the moment he said that, history tells us they thought it was the greatest blunder of his presidency. Year and a half later, walls begin to come down. Now they lift him up and said, no man, how could he speak like this? How did he know that? I'm telling you this morning that words have meaning and power and they change people and they change generations. But as great as these speakers are, there's nobody spoke like my Savior. I am a testimony to what my Savior has done by the power of the spoken word. You said, Brother Nolan, it's just not his words, but it's what he's done. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. You can't separate the deity from the word because the deity is in the word. Are you listening this morning? He would say stuff like this in John 13 and 19. He would say that I am, that I am God. So when they tell you today, he's just a prophet. No, he's more than a prophet. He is God. He's three in one. Are you listening? He would take it a little bit further in John 8. I'm going to say just in John. He would say this, before I was born, I existed. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand that. They said, what do you mean you existed? What about Abraham and what about Moses? Before Abraham and Moses, I was there. He would take it one step further. My favorite in John 10, 10 and 11, he would say, I am the shepherd and I have come to lay down my life for my sheep. They thought, what does that even mean? What is he talking about? See, they didn't understand. He was unveiling and revealing himself one spoken word at the time. And that's why some didn't understand and that's why he would say something like this. He would rebuke the religious leader and say, you don't understand, do you? You've got your religious clothes on, but you don't understand. But he would sit down with a, a divorced woman living with a man and he would say to her, you understand what I'm saying, don't you? You've got to understand his words are not locked by our religion and his words are not locked in Cleveland, Tennessee. His words are open to all who want to know him and to all that want to be saved and call upon his name they are saved 
John 15, he said this, depart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care how much money you give, but apart from me, you can do nothing. These words, let me take it a step further. John 11 and 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. They said, what is truth, Savior? He said, I am the truth. Take it another step. John 6 and 35, they said, we're thirsty and we're hungry. He stood before them and said, I am the bread of life. No man has ever spoke like this. Let me give you the background to set up this new series. In John 7, stay with me. In John 7, we have what's called the Feast of Tabernacles. The chief priests and the Pharisees are coming up with this plan. If you look at John 7 at the start, it was amazing. His own brothers didn't believe in him. But by the end of the chapter, guards would be mesmerized by his words. See, sometimes your own family may not believe in you. But if you know that you're doing the will of God, you just keep doing the will of God. At this time, they're coming up with a plan. We've got to stop this Jesus. He's messing up our plans and our agenda. There's hostility now, John tells us, in opposition toward the Savior. They've already laid out plot to kill him, and now there are rumors about authorities who are laying trap to take him by force, but Jesus does not waver. He continues to come to the temple. He continues to come to the street corner. He continues daily not only to, to minister to his disciples, but the Bible says he preaches the word without a failing or without backing down. I'm going to say this boldly this morning. I don't care what the world is telling us, and I don't care what the church culture is telling us. God Give us preachers and teachers who are not afraid to preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You would be mesmerized by the things that I've been asked to do lately and things that I've been asked to compromise. Things that I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about religious people who've asked me to do some things that I consider sin just to fit in their church culture. I've come too far, saints. I've been through too much. I'm 20 years deep into this thing right now and I've made up my mind. I'm not stopped going to be who I am in Jesus' name. I'm going to preach this word as it says if they like it or they don't. That's what Jesus is doing right here. They're saying to him, his disciples, don't go there. It's all right. They're saying don't do this, but he has a mindset. His eyes are fixed. His ambition is set. He knows what lays ahead of him, but he's not afraid, Rory. He's made up his mind. I have come to deliver those who call upon my name and he preaches the word. By preaching the word though, they've got to arrest him because if they do not stop him, he's gonna tear their playhouse down. So verse 30 and 31, this is what the scripture says. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, he will do more signs and wonders than this which this man has done. Notice what happens. Some people believe and some wanted to arrest him. Anytime the gospel is preached, two things are gonna happen. Anytime these words in red are, are amplified by a preacher or a teacher, two things will happen. Some will believe and be transformed. Others will reject and leave mad. There are people in this county who do not like me, not because of what I like, what I wear, or what I do, but they come to this church and they don't like what we preach. They don't like you because of that. Some of them are your family members and they'll find fault. They'll look at my life or look at your life. But the truth of the matter is this, it doesn't matter about me or you. 
What matters is the word and how they receive this word. Two things happen when anointing preaching goes forth. Some will believe and some will reject. It's the way it's always been, saints of God. We can make this church seeker friendly. We can turn down everything that we can do. We can stop the worship like we had last Sunday where people are shouting all across the sanctuary. But you hear me, if somebody preaches this word, two things are gonna happen. Some are gonna believe and some are gonna reject. What you and I have gotta do this morning, we cannot worry and change who we are because some people don't like this word. Word. We've got to stand who we are and have a compass set in our minds to say this. They may not come now, but they might come later. Paul would say it this way in 2 Corinthians 2. Those that get angry at the word, they have an aroma of death unto death. It means they don't believe. They already have died in the flesh. And instead of coming to life in the spirit, they refuse. So now their dead body is stinking unto death. You see that all around our society. People who are bound by substance and addiction. It's not that that sends them to hell. It's the refusal of coming out of that through the blood of Jesus Christ. They have that death smell. They have that smell of death all over them. The Bible says that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Death is all over them. But Paul would go on a little bit further in that same chapter of 2 Corinthians 2. He said, but those that believe, they have the aroma of life unto life. That means for you and I, there's no more death on me, sweetie. There's no more death on my life. There's no more death on my family. The smell of death is not on me. Why? Because my name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I have been saved. And what you smell on me is the life of Almighty God. And it is wonderful this morning. Can you give God praise? Watch what happens. So now they, do, they understand this. Some believe, some reject. And here's a ser sermon. So they've got to stop it. If not, he's going to turn the whole city upside down. So he calls the guards together. I need you to go find this man. Go get him. Bring him back to me. If you bring him back to me, we will put him to death. You have one job. I want you to understand something. These are not just guards. These temple guards, these guards are trained men who have one agenda and one job, and that's to enforce their power and their will. These are professional assassins. They know what to do. They know their job. And all of a sudden, they go out to do this, but they hear this preacher preaching, and they don't understand it. These trained professional guards go out, and there's this man from Galilee, they said, standing over there. And he's standing there in front of everybody and I see him in my own mind with his arms stretched open saying something like this, come and drink of me, all ye that are thirsty and you'll never thirst again. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Wow. And they don't understand. Something happens, Chaffin. Something goes on while he's speaking these words right here. These trained people swallow their pride and it's like, Chris, they forget what they're doing. They lose their mind and they make their way back to the temple. And when they get back, they look at the religious leaders and they ask them, where is he? He's right here in our midst. You have all power to back him to bring him to us. Where is this man they call the Christ? And these guards look at him and say, I don't know. 
What do you mean you don't know? You saw him preach the gospel. We did. So why did you not bring him back? I don't know. Only thing I can tell you, I've never heard a man speak like this. These guards who went out to arrest Jesus now was arrested by this same Jesus. Are you listening? These guards who went out to bring him back captive have now been arrested themselves. There's no chains on them. There's no shackles on them. But they come back empty-handed and they stand before the religious elite and say, listen, I know we were supposed to do a job, but I don't know what's going on. Something happened when that man spoke. I felt something come to life in me. I don't know. I, don't, I know it sounds strange. I know it's not manly, but something happened when this man began to speak. I felt my heart just skip. My mind I began thinking. I looked at him and thought, There's, I find no fault in this man. I don't know what to tell you. But all I can tell you, when he opened his mouth, it changed my life. I come to let somebody know today, when they preached the words of my Savior, it changed my life. I don't understand why we're trying to water it down. I don't understand why we're trying to make it so non-toxic in the minds of our community. We can't preach Palm Sunday, right? Because we don't want to talk about the seed dying and going to the ground because it might make somebody feel uncomfortable when we talk about death. Let me tell you something, sweetie. If he does not die, you're still dead in your sins. I don't understand why we're trying to change these words that are so powerful when the scripture says these guards who were brute men says, I don't know, but when he spoke, it changed my life. These are the words of our Savior. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to pull his words and how they apply to us how they change us. Brother Nolan, can you just kind of give us some glimpse of maybe what he said that day? Let's go to verse 37. I'll stay in the scripture. So let me just kind of uh, exegete this in the best way that I can. Are you with me? Amen? Look to your neighbor and say, forget about that hour of sleep. Would you do that for me, please? On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood out and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. And he who believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John is writing on this side of Pentecost. Jesus is speaking on this side of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit disposition, as we know, is not magnified in John chapter 7 yet. But yet everywhere is touched by the Holy Spirit. We see that throughout the Old Testament. We know it in John 7. But after the day of Pentecost, he's not only on us, but in us that we might carry out the work of our Savior. Can somebody say amen? amen? Understanding this then, we must break this down. What caught the minds of these guards? First of all, you've got to understand that what they were doing here at the Feast of the Tabernacles, there was something that would take place on the last day. The priests would go out uh, and do a processional that would make his way to the Kindron Valley. He would go by the Pool of Salaam, which means by the way sent. And out of these waters, he would fill up a golden pitcher and carry it back to the temple. And when he would carry it back to the temple, he would take it and he would pour it over the altar. And what this represented was this, that the Old Testament scripture, when they were barren in the wilderness and God gave them water out of a rock, 
These people will see that. They will take palm branches and rejoice, praising God, saying, this is a great day. They were looking for the day that they will be refreshed by the Messiah. Now on the last day of this tabernacle, Jesus preaching. The guards now have, they, they can't take him. They're mesmerized. He stands up and, on the last day and says, I've got something to say. I don't need you to perform a ceremony today. I, I don't need you to go down to the Kindron Valley today. I've got something to say. What, what do you have to say, prophet? See, at this point, it's changing because I want you to hear me. I will not let you call him just a prophet. I would not let you say we're one religion among many because the theme of the day is this inclusion theology that says we're all serving the same God, Hindu, Muslim, Christian. It doesn't matter. Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. No, no, no. Because what we are doing, we are bringing Christ down to nothing but a teacher. But when the gospel is preached just right, it demands, it asks, it begs, it looks you in the eye and says, is he who he says he is? He's not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just one among many. He's the son of almighty God, the redemption of all humanity, and he's worthy of all praise. He stands up and now as they're waiting for the ceremony. You can debate with me and say it was a day after the ceremony. I'm fine with that. In my mind, though, I know it's the last day, and he stands up and says, I, I gotta say something. If anybody's Thirsty, come drink of me. <laughs> if anybody is unfulfilled with this religion, come drink of me. If anybody is tired of being married and having a girlfriend on the side and you live in that shame, come drink of me. If any of you have got a religious title, but you got private sin and you're just embarrassed, come drink of me. He stands there and he looks to all of them who were doing their ceremonies and had everything on law. And he stands there and says, aren't you tired of this? You look holy, you look religious, but you're so dry. If you're dry this morning, he stands here in this place and he lets you know you don't have to go through a ritual. He stands here and says, if you're thirsty, come drink of me. Premarital sex is not going to fulfill you. That extra relationship's not gonna fulfill you. The drugs you put in your body's not gonna fulfill you. That thing that you're doing nobody knows about is not gonna fulfill you. You playing church is not gonna fulfill you. You doing this or that's not gonna fulfill you. You gambling away your time dollars not gonna fulfill you. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I'm telling somebody something. You can play patty cake with the devil, lose it all if you want to, but you come in here faking it, but you're unfulfilled. I know it, you know it, and everybody else knows it, but you think you gotta cover it up. You can't cover up the truth. The truth's gonna come out, it will set you free. See, you're unfulfilled. Field. You got one foot in the church and one foot in the world and you think nobody knows about it. I really don't care what they know about but I come to tell you, your Savior's not come to condemn you to hell. He stands in the temple and says, if anybody is thirsty, what is he saying? What does he mean? Nobody's ever spoke like that. What he was saying was this, when God provided water in the Old Testament rock, he says, you want to know how that happened? I am that rock and that rock is here today and it will give you water in a dry season I've got eight minutes I want you to listen to me please if anyone come unto me and drink I will satisfy his thirst people are thirsty for so many things they're thirsty Whew. thirsty 
Got a million dollars in the bank, but still not happy. People in this house can't have children. You got three and four and you're still not happy. You're not happy because you're thirsty. And he stands there and says, if you're thirsty, woman, give me something to drink from. I don't have nothing. And this well is deep, she says in John 4. He, I love this. He says, rightfully so. But the deepness was not speaking of the well in the natural, but the well in the supernatural. Because what she was, didn't realize was she was saying, I can't draw that far down. But what he was saying was, I'm not trying to get this superficial water. I want you to go a little bit deeper to that water that you cannot see. She was trying to reach in the natural. He was trying to take her to the supernatural. Because she, if she only continues to drink in the natural, she's going to have eight husbands and live with a man and still not be satisfied. But if she can drink from the supernatural because she is thirsty... The fulfillment of flesh is not satisfying her. So if she can drink from the supernatural, then she can say to everybody else, come let me tell you about a man who satisfied my thirst and showed me all things. Brother Nola, we can't take her into church. She's been married five times. No, he makes her an evangelist. No man has ever spoke like this. Because the religious people wouldn't even talk to her. No man's ever spoke like this because the church wouldn't even invite her. And to be honest with you, I'm not so sure she divorced them. I believe that they divorced her, but that's a whole different story. Rejection there. I can't draw. I'm thirsty, but I can't draw. He's saying, yes, you can. She said, they told us about a prophet that was coming. He says, I am he. And quickly she gets real churchy on him, don't she? I love that because that's what we do when we, we realize that God's just revealed or read our mail. She goes, they told us about worship in certain mountains. She, he says, you don't understand. You don't have to worry about the mountain. I am in your midst. See, when he begins to speak in your life, I don't care what you've done or where you've been or who you know or who you've done, I'm telling you, when he begins to speak, no man's ever spoke to you like that. He will read your mail, go back in your past, bring you up into the present and show you your future and say, with me, all things are possible if you only believe. See, you come in here thirsty. You were drinking last night, but you're still thirsty this morning. You come in here mad at everybody and you were drinking last night, but you're still thirsty. But I've got a word for somebody today. If you're thirsty, come drink from this rock that will not run dry. He will satisfy your thirsty soul. Will you give God praise for that? He didn't say he will satisfy your needs. He said to you, he said, I will satisfy your thirst. We need to quit preaching, just come to Christ and he'll give you what you want. That's not true. That's not true. That's not even scriptural. Hello? I want a million dollars, but he hadn't gave it to me yet. Come on, that's all right. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Wake up this morning, amen. But maybe I don't need that million dollars. Maybe if I had it right now, I wouldn't be here this morning. I would be maybe at Sullivan's Island with Sister Nolan. You understand what I'm saying? Some things I don't need. He's never gave me everything that I just wanted, every, every need I had. But that that my soul was thirsting for, the old church used to sing an old hymn that says, he satisfies my need. He supplies. He's my everything. Any of the old saints remember that? And they would say it like this. I wish I could sing. 
And then they would sing a verse, he's all I need. See, when you know him like we know him, you can understand when he said, I once was thirsty, but he gave me a cool drink of water. These guards, why did you catch him? I don't know. He started talking about thirst. Then he said, out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. Listen to me as I close. What does that mean, pastor? It says heart in the King James, but the, the real word is belly. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. It means this, Ashley. When this man began to speak, these guards who are just doing their temple duty, or, or what they thought was their righteous duty, they come by empty-handed, not arresting the Savior, but arrested by the Savior. And when they come back, they go, I don't know. But he started talking about rivers pouring out of us. What does that mean, pastor? That means when you get a drink of that water, you're like Ezekiel prophesied about. You can't help it. But you gotta tell somebody, give it to somebody else. Let me, let me, get, let me get up in your business. You remember when you were in sin? and you want everybody to party with you, just nod if you were there. Nobody's nodding. I got one person nodding. Everybody else is faking it. Hello? What he was saying right here in the spirit is this. When you drink of this water, you're going to tell everybody else, and you just can't help it. Out of your belly, when you go to Hardy's and get a biscuit, and they sit down beside of you, you'll say something like this. Let me tell you what happened at church yesterday. Oh, we had a drunkard come in the house. I, I know nobody preaches it. Anyway, oh, I ain't going there. And we had a drunkard come in the house who was bound. We cast that devil out. And next thing you know, he was running around that sanctuary talking about the freedom in Christ. Oh, Brother Nola, we shouldn't talk about that. We're going to offend somebody. Why don't we tell them at McDonald's at lunch? You know, some of y'all go to McDonald's. At McDonald's at lunch, we had somebody that came in that, that was lost, living with somebody. Next thing you know, they got saved. Tell them at Porter at, at night, we had somebody come in bound by meth. And the next thing you know, the word was preached. And somebody got to testify about how God got them off of drugs and the next thing you know somebody came down to the altar see when it's inside of you you can't help it that water will just flow out it'll flow out that's what he meant by being full of the spirit after Pentecost we're not a dead church we're not a dry church we shouldn't shut up we shouldn't back in a corner we shouldn't back down we might be the Pentecostal church sit out into the country because they did not want us in the city but let me tell you something this morning we are a powerful church full of God's spirit and full of God's power to tell somebody he satisfied my thirsty soul. Yeah. That's where we're at. As I close, I want you to hear this last thing. That's what he means. Guards, why didn't you bring it back to us? I don't know. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this life. I'm thirsty. This man talked about out of my belly shall flow compassion and water and love. I don't know. Only thing I can tell you is nobody's ever spoke like this man. Your life today, nobody has ever spoke like our Savior. He's all I need. Amen? Wow. I feel the Holy Spirit in this house. Can we just lift our hands just for a moment as I feel him hold me back and refrain for a moment? Oh, yes. Gone to arrest, but I got arrested by. 
Joy is kind of like the Apostle Paul when he went out to take a few more Christians and he was knocked off his beast. I don't know who I come to preach to this morning, but this is just the foundation. No man has ever spoke like this man. Changed my life. He'll change yours today. I don't know what road you own or how far you've gone down that road, but God's trying to get your attention. He'll break every stronghold in addiction. But Brother Nolan, what if it's not sin, but I know it's not good for me? That's fine. He said, lay aside every weight and sin which so do easily beset you. There's some things I don't do because not that it's sin, but it doesn't bring edification. And I want my light to shine so bright. No man has ever spoke like this. Would you stand with me all over the house, please? Holy Spirit. Danny, you know that old song, He's All I Need. I don't know if you know that. I'm putting you on the spot. Any of you girls know that? Kenny, I know you know that. Grab a mic, sing with us. No man has ever spoke like this man. That's what the guards were saying. John 7, his own brothers don't believe. But those who went out to arrest him come back saying, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Tony, I don't know. He spoke something. I don't know. Come on, sing it. Come on, let it echo. I'm going to sing this for a little bit. Come on, sing it one more time. Let's sing. Would you sing? Into this house. Jesus is all I Here's what I want to do. I want to keep singing this song just for a moment. If you don't know him as your Savior, if you're thirsty, I, I only gave you a little short story to kind of show you where we're going. We're going to look at every word our Savior spoke that I feel like it's for thy present day in the sense of being led of the Spirit to you. But if you're thirsty, you don't have to be lost. You can be saved and still be thirsty. Maybe you had a place in your journey where you go, if something doesn't change, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm thirsty. I want you to step out by faith. With every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment, I want you to step out and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I need the Lord. Life has thrown me a curveball, Pastor. I, I need, they're coming, they're coming. Amen. Let it be so, let it be so. We have one woman of God has come that I want to pray with right here. There's others that are coming, there's others that are coming. 
I need to know, Marty, so good to have you with us. All the way from Camden, South Carolina, to be with us at church today. Thank you. If I had some beer, come pray right here, please. Anthony, if you guys are rolling, come please. Hallelujah. I need some godly women to come help me here till I get there, please. Oh, yes, you're thirsty. You're thirsty. Nothing else has satisfied you. Here's what I want to do now. I want believers that will come and just worship and say, God, you're all I need. That's your only prayer. No other prayer. Would you come worship all over the house? Let it be an anthem this morning. A little old school, but it's okay. Would you come worship? I always believe that Sunday morning is a place that we can come together as a church family to be discipled, surely to worship, but also coming out of the world. Things happen. Sometimes things are more public today because of social media, things like that. But I believe that the church stands here in the community to be a light to everyone to say, all you that are hungry and thirsty, hurting, hurting and broken, no matter how public or non-public, that we could come in and say, this is my church. That's my pastor. This is my church family. And I lean on them in my time of trial. Amen? That's what we're here for. There are people at this hour this morning that they need that. And we will provide that for them. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Can we give God the biggest hand of praise? <laughs> Before you go, let me pray over you. The hardest thing to do in bringing a new series to you, I have to be very broad to lay the foundation. As we move forward, it would be more singular in thought because we will take one story probably at a time. I hope this morning you understand the thought process. These men who didn't understand what they were saying, as they declared, no man has ever spoke like this. He changed my life, and I know he's changed yours. Father, today we have preached your word. We have taught the scriptures. I can see him standing there where there once was ceremony. And as they poured out that water, to be symbolic of refreshing. He stood there and said, I am he. Drink from me. Not only will you not thirst, out of your own belly shall flow rivers. They went from being parched and dry to having rivers flow out of their life. That's the beauty of the gospel. We're going to try to preach it as we marched towards Easter and when he declared, I'll be put in the ground, but I will arise. Father, go with your people till we get back. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Hug somebody's neck. High five, fist bump somebody. God bless you. You're free to go.